Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be hanging out with players and teachers and having conversations loosely based around harmonica. This week's guest is one of the most versatile harmonica players on the planet. He's comfortable playing blues, country, funk, jazz, bluegrass, and many other styles. This versatility has led to him being featured on over 1,800 recordings over the past 40 years. I'm also pleased to call him a mentor of mine. Let me introduce you to Roly Platt. Hi, Tomlin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How about you? I'm good. Um, after that introduction, I better be really good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you're currently in Canada, aren't you? Yes, uh, just north of Toronto. How, how's it all look? Are you? I don't know if you're in a, a town or kind of out in the sticks. What, what's it like? It's uh, it's kind of the largest cities in Barrie, uh, an hour north of Toronto. So it's like the largest city, 150,000. Largest city north of Toronto, um, I believe, um, certainly in this area. And is it kind of complete lockdown like we've got here? Yeah. Um, we're not forced to stay at home, but but because um, we're Canadian, we're we're, <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to be nice. Okay. <laughs> um, we uh, we've been asked to to stay at home, and and everybody's actually it's quite amazing. I think that that everybody is um, cooperating on this. And, um, you know, barring the odd idiot out there, but, but it's a, a bit of a shock when it first started. I'm sort of getting into the swing of things now a bit, but uh, I, I know as bad as I think it is in my head sometimes as I, I think of people that have it way worse than my situation with uh, kids or with, you know, various things. So I wish everybody, um, you know, a, a, a good time through this period and hopefully we come out of it. Uh, not too far into the future. Yeah, no, totally. That's uh, that's kind of how I feel. I, I feel like I, I'm I'm pretty fortunate in that I already work from home, so this isn't a massive culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing is, like, tons of my buddies have been calling up uh, just just to hang out. Uh, and they're like, yeah, let's just hang out on Skype because we don't have to work right now. It's like, I, I'm still working. <laughs> I thought you meant hang out in person. I thought at least at least they're on Skype. No, no, we're we're all being very responsible. Um, it's uh, I, I'm kind of impressed with how quickly people have have been responsible and um, there's there's kind of uh, we're getting social shaming here if if people aren't following the rules. Are you are you guys getting that over in Canada? Um, I haven't seen it, but I, it, you know, I'm sure it's happening. Uh, maybe more in Toronto, uh, where you got a lot of people in one area. But there's not much, really, not much going on around here. Like it, it's you go out for walks and things, and you see people. It's going to change as the weather breaks, which it's starting to do now. Um, but uh, no, it's been pretty good. Yeah, um, that's good to hear. So how how's it affecting um, kind of work and stuff? Because I. I as far as I know, you're mostly online with with work things, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, music live stuff is is gone for for now, and uh, that's for me. Uh, I can do tons of stuff at home, and we can all do you know. Thank thankfully with with the internet and, and all that's available. There's so much. I mean, we're, we're very very lucky to to be in the spot we're in and have that technology. I think it'd be we'd all be dead by now by killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> every every household would be divorced, and um, but it uh, the there's something about playing live uh, that's completely different than anything I do at home, like recording wise, practicing, doing lessons, uh, teaching, whatever it is. Um, there's a and I didn't discover this until maybe into my fifties, um, when I, it's a long story anyway, but it, around that time I started to appreciate what playing live does for me. And, and, and it has nothing to do with making money or anything else. Although we all have to do that and I enjoy it, <laughs> but it, <laughs> I, I uh, encourage it. Um, but it's, it's that, I call it like an emotional release that you get when you're playing live that you you leave everything on stage you just you know play your ass off basically and and uh the end of the night you're you're physically tired but you're emotionally um 
I won't say empty like in a bad way. It's a, it's a good way. It's a release. It's almost like standing out in the street and screaming for two hours and just, you know, everything, all the anxiety and, and stress and anger and all these other things in there, frustration, whatever is in there comes out. Um, and it's, if I don't get that, I get a little wacky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just between I... you and me, I get a little wacky. <laughs> and I can never figure out what it is. It, it's And it's if I stop and look, I go, yeah, it's because I haven't been playing in the last couple of weeks, or, or like live. And uh, so I have to find outlets for that. So that's my, you know, I'm managing. I haven't, I'm, I'm, I haven't cracked yet, but I'm... I've been close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I know this feeling really well. And my wife actually recognizes it in me. And she'll she'll get to a stage where she sends me out. She's like, go, go to a jam session. Just just call some buddies up, play some. You have to play some music because you're driving me insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, it's good she recognizes it. It's yeah. interesting because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's uh -huh. uh, it's funny, though, because I, I, I it is incredibly frustrating right now not having that outlet um but i'm seeing i'm seeing already people people are starting to channel that energy into into other things um i think a lot of people are writing and and feeling quite creative um have you started channeling into into other areas well um in the sense of um, I've been doing a lot of things that I haven't had time for or just, you know, not enough time to sort of dedicate to it or whatever, different ideas and 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 things. But yes, uh, like one of the things is I'm trying to put together, as you know, because you were on the survey, but a, a harmonica um, seminar of some sort online for folks. So that's a, that's a good energy uh, thing to put into, but it's, again, it's, there's things I put lots of energy into doing and I'm happy to have the time to do that, but it's, I don't know if I'll um, get the same, it's not a substitute for it, but maybe the actual doing of the, the workshops will give me an outlet of some sort, you know, in a, in a slightly different direction. There, there's no substitute. <laughs> <laughs> there's no no direct substitute but there's things that are that are certainly worth pursuing that are the next best thing definitely i mean it, it's i'm sure you say it to your students i say it to my students um you know kind of le lessons are kind of uh inconsequential if you can get time on stage um that's kind of kind of the, the most important thing well for the emotional side that you describe but also just you learn so much more Oh, absolutely. It's a different world. And um, when I'm playing at home, like even how hard I play when I'm practicing, and I think I'm playing, when I get into it, I think I'm playing pretty aggressively. And then I get on stage, and it'll often be like with a new harp that I've set up, and I've, you know, opened the reeds up a little bit so that it, I can attack it. I probably play, tend to play very hard, so I set them up to accommodate that. And then... I get on stage with it a week later or something and I choke it out in two seconds <laughs> because I'm playing that much harder on stage. Um, but yeah, it's the, you're just on, on the subject of, of learning how to play when you practice at home and practice to songs on your computer or whatever, however you do it, uh, you're in a very controlled environment and you're used to all the sounds and how things sound and, um, all those things around you, your environment. When you get on stage, the environment, I mean, especially, well, anytime, if you're in a band, you're playing different clubs all the time or different venues. So the sound is completely different. The stage is huge one day, small the next day, like incredibly small, you know, some of these places. You're you have to accommodate, uh, change everything for that um, environment. The sound uh, on top of that is like 10 times as loud as you're used to hearing. Suddenly you can't hear that great amp you bought um, and you're trying to turn it up to seven and it's it sounds like a transistor radio. Um, all those things uh, throw you off playing wise, you know, like uh, and, and then when you're jamming with a band, they're not doing the song the way the Muddy Waters record is at <laughs> home, right? They, they didn't sing that extra verse, you know, or they, they don't, you know, they do it completely differently. Yeah, I, I remember chatting to you about this uh, during one of our lessons. And 
Um, just to just to be clear, clear, Roly was giving me lesson. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you said that being on stage is like being in a war zone, and I think I think that has stuck with me every time I've got uh, gotten up on stage since you said that. I was like, shit, this is this is exactly what it's like because there's all the training that you do at home, all the practice, and then if you're lucky, the rehearsals you do with a band, um, and then everything's just so different and all the stuff that you meticulously practiced over and over all the stabs and the hits it all goes out the window and hopefully you're kind of praying that 80 percent of it is still there and then you're doing pretty well yeah no that's that's uh that's accurate i mean it's not supposed to be that way but because it's in real time and you don't you can't stop okay everybody stop in the middle of a song i need to move my amplifier a little bit so i can hear it better i need to stand over here so i don't get feedback or whatever the situation is it's it's you just have to do it even even in that crappy sound like you know you you kind of hope it's coming out up front i mean that's i spent half my career playing not liking what i'm hearing on stage but but praying that the sound man has got a clue and and uh you know is making you sound good up front you know and as long as, long as i know i'm i'm coming out front i'm good you know i've had nights where you're playing some big club or something at least it's packed and you're having a really good night you're just into it you know you're locked in you're playing you're feeling good about it and you, yeah you're sweating and you get off stage and somebody comes up to you and goes god i couldn't hear you at all Oh, I hate that. <laughs> this is after an hour and 15 minute long set or something. And it's like, oh, for Christ's sakes. Um, that didn't happen too often. But that's the, you know, the, that's the difference of, of playing in that. And you learn um, very quickly, you know, how to just how to do that on the fly and make the best of what you've got. And having said that, there's other times where you're very fortunate to be in a situation where it sounds great. You're on a big stage, you know, like a theater type of thing, or it doesn't have to be, but just a nice open area where you got a little breathing room on stage. And the players, there's a couple of people I play with that are particularly like this, um, very sensitive to volume and and letting this, the music breathe. So everybody's got their little spot they play, and they're incredibly disciplined in uh staying not too loud and and you know leaving room for people to do a little somebody hits one little tink on the piano you can hear it and we play around each other that way and it's amazing right it's uh those nights are great it's, it's a huge contrast from the the thrashing and full bore kind of stuff of that you get in, in other situations yeah it's so true i i, I had a complete revelation of an experience last year. I did a gig exactly as you described, kind of in, in a theater with a, a really big stage. And the, the onstage uh, sound was, was non-existent. Everyone had in-ear monitors. Oh, yeah. And it, it was it was kind of strange because if you if you weren't wearing monitors, you had no idea what was going on unless you were in the audience. But if you were wearing monitors, you had everything you needed and it was just so liberating and and i could i could think about the the volume and the dynamics in every note that i was playing rather than <laughs> i just want to be heard i just want to you know be <laughs> ego but but having that that kind of sweetness of you know the the note goes from kind of 0 to 100 and there's that whole um spectrum that's that's kind of fabulous and i i know you like i i've I've listened to you play a ton as a kind of uh, accompanist as well as a soloist, and you're you're playing all these really light, subtle things in the background. That if if you if it's not coming through, if it's not being uh, projected well enough in the mix, are lost. But they're so sweet. They're they're such nice little subtleties. Yeah, and you can't. Um, that I it just reminded me as you're saying that that I spent probably twenty years of my live career or whatever um playing in in situations where you can't do any of that it's it's goes from don't play to play as hard as you can <laughs> yeah uh, just just to sort of make that little lick you do cut through the what the volume of the stage is right and when when it changed for me or when i started to appreciate the differences um when things like house concerts and and small concerts where people would pay 
uh, you know, 20 bucks a head or something to come in and see. You get 40, 50, 60 people, those type of shows where it's, you know, usually a smaller unit. Uh, it could be a duo or a trio. And you could hear a pin drop. Everybody's there to listen to the music, so there's no sound. They're just sitting there quietly waiting for you to play. And literally every note you play and every sound you make um, is you're presenting them. They hear everything. And it was like, wow. Like, I mean, A, you better be on your game playing wise because it's <laughs> you can't hide in anything. Right. And and so you you actually approach it more. It's almost like being in a studio type of thing where everything if you're in the studio, you change how you play. And that's a problem for a lot of people. A lot of musicians uh, don't know how to adapt to that or whatever, but it changes how you play because um, it's forever. Everything you do is marked forever. And and so you don't, you know, all the stuff that you put in that wasn't, uh, isn't necessary or is too much or distracting from what what else is going on, you have to leave it out and just filter through the stuff that, that's really, um, the best stuff, you know, and you got to sort of, but it's the same way in those little concerts, it's the same approach. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I guess it, it's nice having the variety. Um, and, and like that, that gig in the theater was as memorable as the next gig I played, which was literally on, on the back of a, a farm trailer, like <laughs> outdoors, seven piece band, one monitor, um, I was I was singing and playing harmonica, but even then it wasn't important for me to hear myself because uh, there were horn players who wanted to pitch correctly, and and it was just it was total chaos. And I have no idea how we sounded out front. I I know that I couldn't hear anything, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't as fun. Uh, well, it it wasn't that it wasn't as fun. It wasn't as uh satisfying emotionally but it, it was so exciting having that that experience of kind of big outdoor festival kind of thing with you know flying by the seat of your pants as it were um the variety yeah. is cool no it is for sure and it's good and it's different skill sets as you as you mentioned like being able to play when you can't hear and 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 you're you're really playing in your head of what you know is gonna work, you know, and you kind of hope that it sounds good, but um, it, you go by instinct more, I think, than <laughs> than some of the things. I it's it's pretty cool though when you can you do have the luxury, however, whatever the situation is, where you truly can start experimenting and hear all the things that you're doing, you know, all the detail that you're doing. It's all in the detail. Um, and you, when you step outside of your comfort zone and try new things or whatever, you need to be able to hear and hear the the music around you to be able to do that. So there, that situation isn't always the current, <laughs> isn't no. always the thing happening. <laughs> that's true. It's true. And that, that's something that always makes me feel a little bit apprehensive when I know that, that students are going to have their, their first moments on stage. And, and you kind of think that uh so so much of their their future enjoyment is contingent on that first experience being at least okay um, right and it's so rarely it so rarely goes perfectly according to plan because there are so many things that that you don't practice for you don't practice for uh playing with a monitor or having an amp on stage that's loud enough for the audience to hear um but also loud enough to feedback if you're standing right next to it <laughs> so you need to think about that and then you can't hear yourself, but you can hear the drums. And how do you prepare for that as a student? It's uh, it's quite quite a big ask. Yeah, I had an older brother that played a little bit, and he'd wheedle his way into these. He'd get up on stage with some some a couple of bigger bands. Not not uh, uh, he didn't earn the musicality to do that, but he sort of pushed his way, you know, talked his way into it. But he got up with a band, a Canadian band called Crowbar, which was was a huge band, and uh, this would have been in the '70s. And he gets up and he's all excited. It's one of his favorite bands, and he, the guy gives him the mic and he plays a song, and, and he gets off stage, and talks to the singer and uh, Kelly J. And he says, uh, he goes, I couldn't, I couldn't hear a thing when I was playing harp. And Kelly says. How do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> Not didn't bat an eye. Like, yeah, that's how it is every night. You know? 
yeah but i mean you 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 get used to that with with experience um and and i mean you've you've done so much you've done so much touring and and so much recording um like that that must have been well touring must have been the best education ever to to kind of get on on many levels on many levels (laughs) (laughs) not just harmonica ways um yeah, uh, touring's tough. Touring's a. I, I see people. I haven't toured in, in, in quite a few years now. Um, I've stayed local, and um, done the odd thing, but nothing like I used to. But I look at people out there doing it now that are either still doing it. You know, people close to my age or, or at least my age. Um, and you can't tell, oh, I guess, over the radio, but I think I'm 61 or 62. I forget now. That's what happens when you get older. You, <laughs> you start, I think I'm 62. Um, but I see people that, you know, younger people and, and, and guys that have been doing it still. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough go. It's a lifestyle. You know, it's a complete different lifestyle. So it's, uh, but the experience of it is is great. Like it's, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, um, the musical experience, the people you, you meet, you know, uh, but it's, there's a huge price you pay for doing that because you're away from home all that time. Uh, you lose, lose a lot of stuff. You kind of get into the, that big, be, that becomes normal after a while, the, the road. And if you're not on the road, you're almost uncomfortable. Um, you, you know, you, you get so used to it. You know? Yeah. I, I've got, I've got pals who, um got got into the touring uh lifestyle and they they couldn't deal with being home uh and and they just they, they lived for being on the road they didn't realize that they lived for being on the road until they got home and yeah. then they were so uncomfortable being stationary um that it was it was kind of weird to see that uh, that transformation cuz uh from my point of view i i have this uh really whimsical desire to go on you know a, a two-week tour every every year and stay in five-star hotels and play lovely theaters with audiences who listen uh, wow what a great what a great dream that is <laughs> right but i i don't want to do it for more than two weeks a year and I, I probably want to take my wife with me and uh just you know make it very comfortable and i realized that tours tours like that don't exist and i wouldn't make any money <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they exist uh, at at certain levels. Um, you know the better the five star stuff and whatever. But there's usually it's usually a real mixed bag. You get some of those gigs if you're lucky. You get some some. Um, you know it depends on the level of music business you're in. But but for most people in the in the blues world or you know that that end of things, and you're traveling like that, it's it's you get one or two or a few really nice gigs and and meet some amazing people for sure. Um, but you also, you know, have to accommodate and play these smaller venues, you know, you're a star one night and the next night you're playing this place and you go, how did I get here? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, that's, that's the nature of the business. And it always was that way, right from my first gigs to, you know, all the way through it's, yeah, but it's, Hey, I got into it because I like to play. That's that was my motivation. I love to play, and I love to be standing on stage playing. That's it. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Was there was there a moment when you you kind of thought, shit, this is this is everything I wanted. Like I I kind of I have I have the the life the lifestyle the yeah the, the my first gig. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> I um. Not my first gig, but my, just to give you a bit of background, I literally bought myself a harmonica on my 17th birthday as a a gift to myself, I guess. My older brother, as I mentioned, played a little bit. He wasn't really very musical, but he had good, great taste in music and uh, knew what was good. He just wasn't, didn't come as natural as as it did for me, I think. But... um, within a year and a half, just over a year and a half after picking up the harmonica and I didn't play anything else, I was playing professionally. I, I lucked out and met somebody in Toronto and uh, he had a he was in a band and, and he talked to them and they hired me. And so um, it went from 
you know, nothing like from sitting in, trying to sit in with people like cut school, uh, cut high school and go out to see these Canadian bands in Toronto. And the music scene was really good back then. So there was lots of options and try and sit in with them, just hang out, just listen. And then, um, you know, uh, playing professionally. But my first out of town gig, the first gig was in Toronto, I guess. And then the next week, I think we we're out of town in some little town. And um, we played back then, and this was, I miss these days, I'll tell you, we played six nights a week, every week. Every gig was six nights. It wasn't a one-nighter as, as they are now. And it's a real shame because you play six nights straight with the same guys you, and in the same club. So those things we were talking about, about the sound and, you know, not loud enough and adjusting things, you got a whole week to, to play around with things and, and get it the way you want or just get used to it, right? Um, and and But you get tight because you're playing together, the same people all the time. Like these days I play, you play in a unit and, and you know, often the drummer is different than the last time you played or the bass player is different or two guys are different because everybody's doing different things and it's hard to keep the same people. But then it was a you were a band and you would play a gig a week and then you'd go to the next town and play another week. Um, but anyway, the end of that first week, I was just on in my mind. You know, I don't remember the actual week too much, but uh, at the end, Saturday night comes. And the leader turns around and he goes, here you go. And he gave me one hundred and eighty dollars. This would have been back in the mid 70s or, or late 70s, maybe. 180 bucks in my pot in my hand and i had completely forgotten that you get paid <laughs> i was so happy just to be doing it and that kind of sets the tone for <laughs> for why I'm, I'm not a rich man today and it hasn't changed much uh, other than I, I never forget to get paid now <laughs> but it was that was i just remember that sticking out in my head that i went oh yeah and you get money for this too like it was like holy cow this is like the greatest thing and that's, I mean, that's the best way to approach it. Because if you're going into this thinking you're going to be a star or you're going to be rich, um, you can go back to sleep and finish finish that dream. <laughs> it's, it's so true. And I think it, it's it's really easy to, to lose sight of that. Um, I remember years and years ago, um, I... I was going to go busking with one of my friends because uh, I, I started out uh, by busking every day uh, for a couple of years, which was uh, quite an education. And um, I arrived uh, at our busking spot and uh, he asked me how my day was going. And I was like, oh, dude, it's it's terrible. I mean, this morning I had a recording session um, and then I had to teach for a couple of hours and, and now I'm doing this. Um, and and he was like, dude, you you've just described the the perfect musical day, and I was like, shit, this is so true. But I I've been so used to talking to my uh, civilian friends about their jobs, and everyone always kind of says, you know, ah, oh, same shit, different day. And I was so used to hearing that kind of negativity around work that I'd forgotten that I I love that that lifestyle of doing something musical, be it recording, teaching, playing. Um, being able to do that every day and you know the the, the money <laughs> the money's never big but it's a lot easier to get to, to have a, a smile at the end of the day if you're uh if you're doing that but have yeah. you ever let me ask you something have you ever done a day job of any kind like for any length of time other than the odd thing <laughs> no not not for any any length of time i'm totally unemployable okay <laughs> psychologically <Congrats>. speaking <laughs> yeah congratulations um I find that's a great um, experience to have because all of a sudden when you're doing this crappy job at seven bucks an hour or whatever it is, you, you realize and no one gives a, a shit about who you are or who you think you are as a, as a musician. I've been through that. And um, suddenly you realize, geez, you know, playing's not so bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's It's a whole different mindset i mean obviously if you're doing it, it, it everything's a trade-off i think you know a compromise of some sort so with playing um you know you get all the things that we've been talking about uh, which is huge the money's probably not going to be very good 
and the uncertainty and security of the business and all that uh, is, is always there. So you get all that stuff with it. Um, and so you give up a lot as a musician, as a, as a full-time musician, often uh, financially and, and security-wise, that when I see other people that have been working for 10 or 15 years in some other field, they, they've got, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, they've, they've got some toys, you know, the nice car, maybe a boat, a place up north or whatever. They've, you know, you got money and, and it gives you the freedom to buy those, uh, that nice amplifier that I always wanted, you know, as a, as a harmonica player. They've got two of them, you know, that type of thing. But it's, but they're, they work their ass off for that usually. And they give up a lot of the, uh, you know, they're, they're taking on a lot of stress and things like that, that, that we don't get as musicians. Our stress is, you know, worrying about the next gig or money or something like that sometimes. But beyond that, it's a, it's not an overly stressful business. That's for sure. Not from what I've, in comparison to some of the other things I've done. No, uh, and I, when when I you know I I've not lasted any kind of job prior to being a musician. I remember vividly I did a trial shift uh, as a as a kitchen porter um, when I was twenty one, twenty two, and that that was the year that I discovered that I could take my guitar out on the street and and sing and play guitar and make money, um, and I did did the trial shift. And uh, they, they, they wanted to hire me because they said, wow, you're, you're a really hard worker. And, and I'd just gone out and, and made my first, I don't know, 20 pounds over four hours. So that's, well, like six or seven dollars an hour. Um, not a huge amount. And, and I was just like, no, nah, there's no way that I'm staying up till three in the morning cleaning up in a kitchen when I could be uh, going out on the street and playing guitar. Exactly. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, it, I think those experiences are, are important because it puts things, if you're only doing the one, you're living that one world, you have no idea, you, you, you bitch about stuff or you, you know, get complacent and then you, you know, you lose that and you're forced into or choose to go in a different direction. Suddenly that you see all the, all the things that you didn't appreciate so much that, you know, now you do. And that's what happened to me. Um, I, I saw music in a different light again you know i kind of i kind of saw it again like i did in the beginning and that was nice to sort of rediscover that you know so so you you you've you've taken some time out with a with a i'm going to use air quotes with a, a real job in between music <laughs> well yeah i mean i i uh I had a lifestyle change at, a, at about 35 years old a drastic one um and which required or not required, but I, I chose to not go on the road anymore and kind of stay closer to home. Um, but at the same time, the economy had gone down the tubes. There was the, uh, like the financial crash in the, in the uh, 80s and um, or 90s, I guess, early 90s. And uh, work dropped. That's when things started really changing in the, in the business, at least in the bar business and club scene where it went from six nights down to three nights first or four nights maybe then it went down to two nights then it went down to one nighters you know a friday and a saturday and the first thing to go out of a band was an extra instrument you know so if you didn't play seven instruments you're not <laughs> you're not going to get hired so bass players did all right drummers did all right you know guitar player but anything beyond that was luxury and harmonica was certainly in that category um and so work dried up and uh, long story short, it, it, I battled with, you know, because all I ever knew how to do was play harmonica, even in even in a music business. That's all I knew how to do. You know, I didn't even expand with it. I had, took a very purposeful, narrow focus, which I'm paying the price for these days. You know, like uh, if I had have expanded, I, I would have been better off. But that's how it was. So when, uh, but basically I had to make a decision, a very hard decision to mentally leave music and focus on a whole different direction. And I went back to school and took basically computer graphics is a general term for it, but it was everything to do with, um, you know, computer graphics and design and things like that. And then two years of that full time. And then I started sort of just teaching myself through various methods and doing work for people, learning that craft. 
still playing all through this, but not playing, not pursuing it. Uh, just, you know, people that I knew would hire me for, for gigs and things. So I was always playing, but, but mentally my focus for the first time in my life was as dedicated to that as it was to harmonica originally. Um, and that's when, like I said, you, you, you learn that, you know, Hey, this is hard work as much as I liked it in the beginning that became, you know, became rel relatively good in it. Not amazing, but okay. Um, and, but the pressure that comes with some of those jobs is, is like 10 times anything I experienced playing wise. And, uh, that became stressful after a while. And, uh, and I've kind of let go of that. Now I do both, you know, but I, but I revisited the, um, the music after that, having had that experience, but that helped me a lot. It, it, it you know, I got to buy that second amplifier. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like literally going from years ago from, you know, being so broke that it, you know, I can't even describe, I can describe to you, but I won't, but so being so broke that, you know, it's insane. Like I could tell you stories that you'd go, really? You know, <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah, it was that bad uh, for various years throughout throughout my playing. Uh, very, uh, you know, and I part of it was my own doing because I probably had op opportunities to make money on the side doing something else like most normal people would. Oh no, I'm a musician, you know, <laughs> I am, I, I, damn it, I'm going to starve to death, but I'm not doing a regular job, you know, cause that would be, uh, betraying my, my passion, which is bullshit, but it worked for me at the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a funny, um, journey that I, I think, I think, well, almost all the musicians I know who uh, have made it stick uh, have, have had to, to go through. I mean, I, I remember uh, leaving school and, and my teachers were, were so disappointed when I said to them that I was going to be a musician because um, I'd, I'd done okay at school. Um, they wanted to meet me to be some kind of scientist and I just, I had no interest. Um, and, and they said, okay, so are you going to like, be in a wedding band and do covers and stuff i was like hell no um i'm gonna play original music and uh they said oh well I, i'm i assume you're gonna teach then it's like no I'm, I'm going to be a creative musician that's all i'm going to do that's all i believe in um and then you know i i got my first covers gig and i was like this this is great people actually like the music i'm playing because they recognize it that's cool um and then i accidentally fell into teaching through teaching English actually before I started teaching music and realized that I loved it and that was cool. Um, and I've not written music in years and years and that doesn't make me uh, sad at all. I'm, I'm happy that I'm doing musical stuff uh, and that there's this kind of mixed farming approach of you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you don't have to be the completely pure musician who stays true to their art in order to call yourself a musician. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, because again, there's a trade off for, for all those things. And, and I've, I've had to accept that, that fact that, you know, I would love to, you know, be the guy traveling across the country and, and doing these things, you know, like, a, a um, like I used to, I guess, or whatever, but the, the, the things that go with those choices are, are, are um you have to consider that like you know you can't just look at the little slice of the pie that you think yeah you know i i really want that you know and i'm not getting that now so how do i get that well to get that you have to accept all these other things around it so doing you know being more at home and, and doing a variety of different things allows you to be in that business and still um have a somewhat of a life, normal life around that too, which is, it's a big deal. Uh, that's what I found after touring for all these years, traveling on the road for all those years, just like being on stage or a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, let, let's, let's go, go off in, in a, in a very slightly different, uh, direction. Cause, um, you said that, uh, um, that you, you had, uh, a, a very narrow focus, um, and as a musician and and i kind of want to call you up on that because because i feel that 
you 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 could maybe argue that that it's narrow because of of picking one instrument but um you're incredibly versatile um on on an instrument that a lot of people tend to uh keep as almost a, a one trick pony um like that you know? that's the one that's the one <laughs> you but but you know you you play tons of styles that loads of people would be too too scared to even approach on harmonica um like how how did you make make that work so coming from that blues and maybe a little bit of bluegrass kind of a little bit eclectic background but but mainly blues the band uh was country based we did a lot of swing uh, sleep at the wheel and then we do like an Allman Brothers tune mixed in there. Um, and then we do traditional country as well. And I hated traditional country. Uh, I, had, I just didn't get it, right? I, I, and they loved it. And these the same guys that, that liked playing the Allman Brothers tune liked the, the, this old country stuff. And they knew, uh, you know, about it. And and I didn't know anything about it and didn't want to know anything about it. But I'm in the band, so I'm, I got to play this stuff. So in 90, I was saying that 95% of the music we played didn't have harmonica in it, in any of the songs. So suddenly you've got to figure out, you know, what to do in these tunes. And there's nothing to go by. If you listen to the original, there's no harp in it. Then there's not even harp in a similar type of tune. Um, these were just, you know, oddball songs that, that um, had nothing to do with harmonica, um, you know, no reference. So and I didn't have I guess the closest references I had was like Mickey Raphael with with uh, Willie Nelson. Um, later on, uh, Norton Buffalo, you know, with his kind of eclectic uh, styles. But there wasn't a lot of that going on. So you just kind of, you know, I'd listen to what another instrument would do. Like we had a steel guitar player in the band in the, the original version. So I'd listen to what he would do comping. He would sit and I'm doing it with my hands like anybody can see this. <laughs> but he would just, you know, when he wasn't playing fills, he would go chuck, chuck, chuck on, on the strings on the steel guitar as a rhythm part. And he would tell me, you know, that's what I'm doing. And I'm playing on the offbeat one and two and three and four and one in these tunes. So I would kind of do that on the harp. Um, you know, I'd listen. We At one point, we had a fiddle player in the band. So I would, uh, you know, listen to how he would do things in, the, uh, you know, not fills, but more background recording kind of notes and long notes and things and try and emulate that. So I wound up trying to emulate other instruments, I guess, is the big takeaway or the thing I learned how to do is, is just listen to what's happening in the original song. Well, there's a saxophone on the original song. So what can I do that would fill that spot uh, sonically in, in the song? Um, but what it did was gave me, um, you know, a, a, a variety, uh, you know, I started learning, you know, little tricks and little things to emulate other things, you know, so sound a little different than 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 your average harp player, I guess, or a blues player. But it also um, started forcing me to listen to melody uh, more. And it took a long time. I, I listened to some stuff that I did back then. I found some old cassette tapes of, that we did in, when I was like 20 or whatever. And I, I was hoping I was really good, but I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening and I'm going, like some of it was okay. And some of it was like, oh, Jesus, like you're not even playing the changes there at all. But it it, it set the stage for appreciating musicality. Because in that style of music, it's it's not just about licks and things like that, and 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 you know attitude and you know that type of hard playing. It's it's about playing the right notes and playing over changes that aren't typical three chord changes, and um, and you know how to place those things into a song where you're not necessarily like you're a sideman, you know, like you're an instrument within the band. Uh, within the music and and how to fit that in. I mean that applies to blues as well, but it's there's more liberties taken in blues, I would say, than than some of this other stuff. Um, yeah, it 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 like I said, it set the stage for ex exploring other things, and I love now um, trying to find um, 
Well, I, I mentioned I, I got into design and gra graphic design. And one of the things in graphic design is logo design. And I've done a fair bit of that work. And the, the thing with logo design is you take, you know, a, a sort of a complicated message and simplify it into the simplest possible little shape with a little idea in that shape. Like, oh, isn't that clever? You know, those two things make, make a letter, make a, a, you know, tell you something about the business. But you do it in the absolute simplest way. Having done that in graphic design, when I went sort of focused back on music, I realized um, it kind of taught me more about music than I knew before from doing it in design is my point. And music, I approach that way now. Um, try to say whatever the complicated thing is that you're, you can do, but try to simplify that to the most effective combination of notes that's going to, that gets that idea across. I don't know how to explain how, you know, it does that, but you know, when you get it right. And, and that's the coolest thing to me is to find, um, I like playing fast and complicated, you know, and I do it all the time, but I also get just as much joy going the opposite way of just finding the, the perfect thing to play in that spot, that one little note or that one sound or that line that, that, uh, adds, that's a musical line. It's not nothing to do with showing off on the harp. It's just the right thing to play musically in that, in that spot in the tune. Yeah. I, I remember you uh, saying that the, the, the song is King, and I think that that really sums it up perfectly. It's it's this idea of, um, you know, you, you are there to service something other than your ego. Uh, you're there. Yeah. You're there to make the music sound better um, by by being a part of it rather than sitting on top of it. Um, exactly. And, exactly. And that's what I really like about your playing. And that was something I was really excited to work on with you when uh, when when I did some lessons with you. Um, and I remember telling people, telling my students that I was getting lessons from you, and and they were saying, "Oh well, what are you what are you learning?" Um, <laughs> and and you know, do you, do you have some licks to show us? And I was like, "No, no, no. I, I'm 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 playing on the offbeat for for five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> and they just they just didn't get it <laughs> yeah but it, it was it was a game changer it's that that thing of kind of building up the stamina um stuff that i would i would have done really comfortably on guitar but never worked on doing on harmonica uh, well look, look at it this way if you were another instrument like a drummer or a bass player say i mean it, you know they play you know, if they're good, they're playing quite simple in, in, in roots-based music. You know, I mean, there's obviously other styles of music where there's more going on. But in a three-chord song, a country tune, say, or a blues tune, they're playing very simple. And if they're really good, that's what they do. You know, they, they're, 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 they're meter and they're, they're the pocket that they play in with each other and, uh, and in their own spot. Um, is perfect and they and but they're but the notes they play are dead simple and they're repetitive you know like you'll you'll hear the drummer playing that same pattern you know every verse or whatever it is and you know so other instruments have been doing that for for forever uh, great players harmonica it's a real treat to let yourself be like that in a tune like so there's tunes that you get featured in and, uh, you know, you, you go nuts in or whatever. And then there's other tunes where you're not so important in that song. And that's okay. So get into that, right? Get into the fact that you're a little, like a little bit of, you know, you, you make a cake and then you sprinkle a tiny bit of sugar just around the edge or something, you know, just a little decoration or whatever it is. You know, be that in that song. Be that little tiny thing in that song. That little tiny thing, if it's any bigger, spoils the rest of the the cake right uh so you want to be just you know you want to add to it a tiny bit and and if you can do that your other musicians will welcome you to the stage it doesn't matter you know how high a level of player you are if you have that knowledge of what's appropriate in a tune you'll be welcome on almost any stage because you're not going to fuck them up <laughs> <Pardon my laughs> 
you know, and nobody likes that. You know, nobody likes to feel like, I hope he doesn't, you know, get in my way in this part. You know, I've been practicing this part and we've got this beautiful thing we do where we sing harmony in this chorus. And I sure, I bet he's going to play over that because he's not listening. And he, and if you listen, you go, you know what? There's three part harmony going on there. Shut up. Don't play. Let them, let them soar there. And then you come in with a little thing at the end or something, you know, like you just have to be aware of all those things there's other stuff going on <laughs> yeah. but it, it, it's scary because I, I i think i think a lot of musicians uh assume that they're being paid by the note and, and, <laughs> and they think shit if, if i'm not playing then i'm probably not earning my keep um, yeah. but then if, if you watch like i i love watching horn sections because uh, so often you'll see that that they don't play uh you know that they'll they'll play on 20 percent of a tune and they'll make that tune just just yeah. with what they've added in that 20%. If they played all the way through and you had big brash brass, then you would lose that that killer stab that came in on the five or yeah. whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, too much of anything dilutes the whole thing, right? And 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 uh, uh for sure. That's a good example. The horn players and and while we're talking about that, I mean, what horn players don't do, or uh, and and maybe shouldn't, uh, <laughs> I don't want to encourage them, <laughs> is is to play rhythm of any kind, right? They they don't play any. Uh, although I played with a couple of guys that see me doing it, and they try and do it on the sax as well, and I don't think it works too well. But but one of the things that I do, um, and it came from not from from the the right motivation but it was because i like watching that steel player i'm standing there doing nothing like the sax player or the horn section does and i didn't like it <laughs> i don't like just standing there and i watched the steel players doing stuff he's moving around he's doing a little note here or there he's doing a long note he'd hold you know or the fiddle player would do something uh he they they had found places to to add things in that weren't really uh, fills or anything like people could still do stuff on top of that but it was part of the the beds right the the um rhythm section and so i started doing little things again i'm doing my hands again <laughs> no see my hands i talk with my hands too much um but doing little rhythm things you know chuck chuck you know on the offbeat or or you know more complicated things or listening to my biggest influence back when I was learning was Butterfield and listening to things he would do um, in tunes without playing fills or solos. He would just, he would do little comping things that almost sound like organ organish uh, or just rhythmic, you know, little cool, little, very simple, but cool little counter rhythmic things to a tune. Um, that's what I started doing. And, and I, sort of learned how to do it by wanting to do something on stage when I wasn't playing. I didn't really care if people could hear it that much, but I was sort of experimenting with things. And then when I found something that actually fit, I would bring it up in volume a little bit or, or whatever. But um, I've been doing that for years and I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy being that, being able to participate without doing a lot of stuff and without being this, the featured thing. I don't want people sort of listening to me over the singer or anything but but as part of it you know yeah i think i think it's 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 almost kind of the most respectful way that you can you can play with with other musicians because I, I i'm sure you've had this experience but like pe people who come up to a jam session and you you start explaining to them you know what the song structure is and and then they're like oh no i i, I don't need to know that i i just play lead and you and you think what i mean I, i've spoken to guitarists like this and I'm like if if you want to play lead you're going to have to play rhythm for 90 percent of the song at least otherwise you're not going to get a solo <laughs> uh, yeah exactly totally nuts yeah um but yeah I, I i love i love your i mean i love all your playing but but the the rhythm stuff is is what really sticks out to me um just because so many harmonica players so many harmonica players sing where you're playing rhythm so you know that that's that's their way to service the song they're singers right. and then they take a lead break and they might they might back up the guitarist a little bit but but very few harmonica players play from the beginning of the song to the end of the song and and service the song um and i think that that's something that a lot of people can learn from 
um and and yeah it, it would make them infinitely more employable as much as anything else well and, and it, it, the one of the nicest compliments i've gotten is uh in the studio in particular is i've done things like um just that little little sounds like that or little pops and things rhythmically through a tune um and the producer or the artist will will say like geez i i didn't even know harmonica could do that like i didn't even know that was an option to have rhythmic things happening because when you put it into a mix it it, it actually because it's it sounds organic sounding like it doesn't sound like a like a like um i don't know what to compare it to but it, it's got its own interesting little tone to it and in the right place um it's it's almost like a you know congas or something you know like if you're doing those little pops and things but it's not right it's, it has its own tone so you don't really know what you're hearing even uh, if you're listening when you listen to the final mix there's just this little thing in there and it gives that organic quality like what is that a piece of wood is it a you know, <laughs> is a guy tap tapping on something or um, but anyway d- d- when I if you get, you know, somebody pointing that out or just becoming aware that, that it's something new to them, it, it was, a, that was nice, um, on, uh, session work. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I totally agree. I think that that's, that's such a, a killer thing that you do. Um, how, how did you find making the, uh, transition? This is, this is me about to plug your album, by the way, cause I absolutely love it. <laughs> cause, cause you know, your, your album has a ton of, of uh, lead playing as it should because it's showcasing you well it actually has uh, three cds worth of harmonica on that one cd okay so you're getting three it's like buying three cds of harmonica wow three for the price of one that's brilliant (laughs) i don't don't think i should be bragging about that but yeah well it's it's a great cd uh and i'm gonna put it in the show notes so people people know to check it out um but yeah i I, some some highlights uh that that i think people will have heard before things like somewhere over the rainbow and uh songs that aren't kind of traditionally harmonica songs that you've uh you've really owned and uh done something very special with Uh, thanks very very cool thank you are you you working on on new new material uh sure (laughs) (laughs) sure i am um to be honest, I'm I'm, uh, I'm working on new stuff, but not necessarily for the purpose of that of, of doing a, an, another CD. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's it it the the recording, you know, the doing CDs business um, has changed over the years, and and I'm the first one to recognize that you know, like it costs a lot of money to do it the way I would like to do. If I did one, I'd probably scale it down a bit and do it, make it a little more affordable. But, you know, I spent a fair bit of money on, on that CD, you know, a really top notch studio, um, hiring all the players and rehearsing, whatever the, the whole process of it. And, um, it's hard to get that money back. I, I certainly have, you know, <laughs> made money on it, but, but it's, it, you know what what i think of when i think of doing one is is you should know the per like why are you doing it um if if it's to try and make money then you better think it through and figure out how you're going to make money doing it like if you're not well the first thing that happened with my cd was people and i knew it was going to happen they said so where you know where are you playing where can we how, how do we hire you for this festival and I'm like, uh, well, I don't really have a band, you know, like which I didn't. I, this was all assembled for that CD, for that purpose. The people I used are people that I play with uh, regularly, but but um, they were assembled for that project. So I didn't have a, a show, you know, and a, and a uh, you know, I did a couple uh, things like that, you know, when I first did the CD. But I realized very quickly that unless you're going to that becomes like a somebody in in the Canadian business music business said CDs are now like a very expensive business card <laughs> for musicians. You know, this is what I do. Call me. You know, um, I I just uh, I'd have to have a purpose in mind, something specific. But I would probably go, you know, do something, you know, more scaled down. Uh, 
scaled down size wise as far as musicians, you know, more acoustic, um, smaller uh, unit and, you know, and, and try a little different approach as far as recording as well, rather than the big expensive studio, try and do it on a little more of a budget, but, but still get a great, great quality out of it and use that to promote something I was doing. And so that's very much a possibility. There's, there's somebody I'm working with now. Um, although it's been put on hold because of this Corona stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, we've been talking about doing something like that. So I, I would do it in conjunction with with some sort of promotional thing, you know, live playing, you know, use that to promote something else. But just I would love to do it. <laughs> I'd love to have the money to, to just go, I'm going to do another CD. And, and I know people that have the money and do that. And, and it's a wonderful luxury to be able to do that. But there's so many other things that, that there's different things I'm involved in now that I, you know, can't do everything. So um, when it, I'm not going to do a million recordings just for the sake of doing them because I'm not out there touring. That's fair. Well, I, I hope you do uh, do do a, an album uh, sooner rather than later, just just because I I enjoy listening to them so much. But uh, but that's that's not a, a good uh, business reason to do it. So wait until it makes sense uh, <laughs> for for your career. But uh, but I'll be very excited to get my hands on it. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say uh, at the beginning of the uh, the podcast, you uh, mentioned that you might be working on some online workshops. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about that? This is this is the point to to plug your sure uh, your new stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's at its beginning stage right now. But I mean, I think what it, from I, I put out a little survey of, of and got some great feedback from people uh, trying to find out what people are would be interested in learning in particular and what's sort of the most popular and geared around that. And what I'm finding is I, I think what I'm going to do is rather than try and do a catch all um, and I'm going to call it a seminar because a workshop to me is more a little more interactive, like an in-person workshop where you can pause and people can try stuff and you can address. This is online. So, I mean, realistically, it's more of a seminar where you're presenting material and uh, demonstrating and things. There would be, you know, some element of, of interactivity to it, but but not as much as there would be in person. That's the trade-off, I guess. You probably know more about all that than, than I do, but that would be my take on it. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> So what I'm trying to do uh, is is break it down. I'll probably do a, a beginner's, uh, you know, if you're relatively new, not to say brand new, but relatively new to harmonica, just the cover the basics of, um, you know, through my experience of, of to get people on the right road, you know, demystify some of the some of the things that people don't understand and put them on the right path to learning. And that's how I got started, is somebody showed me the basics and put me on the right path, and then you go and practice. And then do <clears throat> and then do topics after that, where you know you might do third position and some other subject, combine the two topics per, per workshop. Um, if anybody's interested in, in learning more about it, if you go to, everything I do is, on, is, is basically on one website, and it's harmonicamute.com which is my Harpwa site. Um, I'll, I'll link which, that up in the show notes so that people can yeah. see uh, exactly and, how to get to it. Yeah, and there's a main link now on the page about Rolly's Harmonica uh, workshop or seminars. Um, and there's not a ton of information at this point but because this is a fairly new uh, venture. But I'll be adding information there. There'll be something where you can actually sign up and um, learn more about it, and I'll have more details on it. Uh, as time goes on but definitely if you're interested um you know I, i'm looking forward to this because i love teaching and i love talking about just like we're doing now um just explaining things that that were you know i've been playing for 45 years or so you know you you, you just learn certain things over the years of what works and what doesn't and and uh, I'm not an expert. I don't call myself an expert in any field, but you know, there's certain areas that I've got a good sense of of right and wrong, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I've been on the receiving end of lessons from Roly, and I can uh, highly, highly recommend uh, attending these these seminars when when they go live. Because uh, yeah, he's got 
tons tons of knowledge and and you are an expert uh in your field so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, undersell yourself well thank you uh, well, look, I, I really want to thank you for, for taking such a, a chunk of time out of your day to, to hang out with me. It's been uh, really, really wonderful. And there are so many other things I want to talk to you about. So I might uh, try and convince you to come back for a, a part two at some point. <laughs> we, we should talk about harmonica sometime. We should, we should right? <laughs> well, this is why I, I, I pitched this as uh, chat loosely uh, revolving around harmonica. and uh, Yeah. I think we've been quite loose today, so that's, that's yeah. Cool. No, it's good. It's it's nice to not be asked the typical questions and things, and just just have a conversation about about life. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, stay uh, safe and uh, keep washing your hands and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, um, anyone who wants to find out more about uh, Roly, I will have uh, written up some show notes that you can uh, get links to his site and seminars and get Inside Out. Uh, it's an amazing album. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Tomlin. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. Join me next Monday for the next episode. Happy harping! <laughs>